What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We're a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe O'Rico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. We post all of our new content over there on Twitter, podcasts, articles, news and notes, everything we got going on on the baseball side gets shared out through the Ethos Fantasy BB page. So give it a follow if you haven't checked this out there already. If you're not somebody who uses Twitter, then go check us out at sportsethos.com. You'll get all that same content there across all of our major sports. We got DFS content. We got gambling content, team coverage, a lot of great stuff for you guys to be checking out over there. That's sportsethos.com. Now, it is the All-Star break. It is a sad time over here. We have to go until, I think it's Friday when games pick up again. I believe it's Friday. Yeah, it is Friday. Uh, when we'll get teams back in action. We have the Home Run Derby tonight. We have the All-Star game tomorrow and then a couple of days off. So we're going to take a look today. I've been tweeting this out uh, over the last couple of days. We're going to talk about on the pod about our breakouts and busts from the first half of the season. There's definitely a lot of candidates on both sides. But let's start out with my bust team. I'm going to just read it off and then we'll go through some of the individual names. So at catcher, we have Wilson Contreras. First base, Jose Abreu. Second base, Tommy Edmond. Third base, Manny Machado. Shortstop, Trey Turner. And then in the outfield, Starling Marte, Kyle Schwarber, and Cedric Mullins. Starting pitchers, we have Corbin Burns, Sandy Alcantara, Aaron Nola, Justin Verlander, and Dylan Cease. And the relief pitcher I chose was Ryan Helsley. Now, there are a couple of things here um, I wanted to talk about. This, a lot of them are, are fairly straightforward. Wilson Contreras has been a huge bust. Uh, I did it relative to draft pick mostly. So if you're, you know, not doing well, but you were picked at pick 300, doesn't really matter so much. I'm more talking about those early guys, generally who were picked inside the top 100 or higher, depending on the position, of course. And we're going to be talking about the ones that have disappointed. And Wilson Contreras, I think, from the backstop position, you could argue a few different names, but concerning where he was going, uh, what he's given you has really not been great. Now, granted, he has turned it on recently, uh, over the last month or so, he's been a lot better, but that's still only given us a 240 average, 10 home runs, uh, 35 runs scored, 36 RBIs. We had a lot higher expectations for Wilson Contreras in this lineup coming into the season. Now, I've mentioned this before. A lot of people have mentioned this. Filling the shoes of Yadier Molina is not something that's easy, so it's maybe understandable that he hasn't been as great as we would have hoped, but he's definitely the guy that that I wanted to go with here in terms of the bust, you know. You, you could make the argument for Dalton Varsho as well because he was picked fairly high up, but he's got the 12 home runs. He's got the 11 stolen bases. He's about on pace for what he gave you last year, if not more steals, slightly lower batting average. So it's hard to pick him. JT Realmuto has probably not been as good as we would have hoped for, but again, 10 homers, 10 steals. He's batting 250. It's not been terrible. And those are kind of the main options that you have at the top here in terms of catcher bust. Tyler Stevenson didn't cost nearly as much. He's also been disappointing. But I think in terms of catcher, Wilson Contreras is the guy who has been the most disappointing player. Jose Abreu at first base, again, I think it's fairly obvious that it has been Abreu. Now, he, a lot of guys that I mentioned have picked it up a little bit recently, which is to be expected. But Abreu, even with his better last month that he's had, he's still batting two thirty seven with seven homers at the All-Star break. I was one of the people before the season who was so excited for Jose Abreu to be in Houston. It, with those short boxes in left field, the Crawford boxes, you figured in that lineup he was going to get back to his 100 RBI ways because that's kind of just been who he's always been, a 100 RBI guy every year of his career pretty much. Last year was 75. Now, the funny thing is he actually may be able to sneak his way there in the second half. I doubt it. He's got 45 right now. He could potentially get there if he heats up. But regardless, 
Seven home runs, 29 runs scored, a 237 batting average. Easy to pick Jose Abreu there. Tommy Edmond is kind of a tricky one for second baseman because there haven't really been any hardcore busts at the top. of you know If you took a second baseman early, they've generally been pretty good for you. Jose Altuve is kind of a different story because he was injured. Jazz Chisholm I thought about, but he's been injured and he's more, I mean, he's eligible at second base, but he's an outfielder now. I think Tommy Edmond, despite the fact that he has, you know, eligibility all over the place and he plays a few different positions, has been pretty disappointing. You drafted him, you know, closing in on that top 100. It's been so long now since we drafted. I'm kind of forgetting where ADP was, but I believe Tommy Edmond was like just outside the top 100, like 120 or so. What he's given you, 237 batting average, quite a bit lower than expected, 14 home runs, or excuse me, 14 stolen bases, which in a year where there's more steals, it's kind of maybe about average, what we were kind of expecting, <clears throat> a little bit less even than for Tommy Edmund. Those guys that have 40 steals already, he's a guy who stole more than 30 bases last year and the year before. You're expecting, you know, a little bit extra on top of that for pretty much everybody, which is what we've got this season. Tommy Edmund looks like he's going to regress slightly in stolen bases. Home runs, he's got seven. Last year, he had 13. Generally, he might be on pace for the same number, but a lower batting average and unimpressive number of stolen bases. He just hasn't really been that good. It was tricky to pick a second base bust, but Tommy Edmond was the guy I went with. Now, I picked Manny Machado at third base, and the day I tweeted this out, of course, Manny Machado went and hit two home runs. That's just the nature of the beast here. He's been a lot better recently. Excuse me. He's been a lot better over the last month. 297 batting average, nine home runs. That still has given us 15 home runs and a 261 batting average in the first half. Three stolen bases. Not what you signed up for in the first round. I picked Manny Machado a couple times, end of the first round, whatever, wherever you were picking, 10, 12, 15 team leagues. That's generally where he was going, between pick 10 to 15 kind of range. Sometimes he jumped up into the top 10. Sometimes he may have fallen into the even the early 20s, probably pretty rarely, though. Generally, he was going in the teens. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. I've got a bit of a tickle in the throat today. But Manny Machado, uh, you know, in spite of the fact that he has been better over the last month, it's hard not to consider him the big bust at third base. Again, there's a couple of candidates at third, but nobody who has really been such a high draft pick who was so disappointing uh, as Manny Machado was. So he's the guy that I'm going to go with. Again, you could maybe say Gunnar Henderson if you want to, uh, you know, but he's also been kind of. Not bad, like kind of what we were expecting a little bit, especially with the way he you know, picked it up. His pace is right now about 25 homers, 10 steals. For, for Gunnar Henderson, that's you know about what you were expecting. That's kind of the same pace that we've got Manny Machado on. He's on pace for maybe 28 home runs and seven steals or something. It's not great. You know, I got some pushback on this one. But at the end of the day, Manny Machado has been disappointing as somebody who drafted him in several places, uh, and especially considering the draft cost you used on him. Moving into shortstop, Trey Turner. Uh, this one's fairly cut and dry for me as well. He's been a lot better recently as well. Stop me if you've heard this one before. But you were picking him arguably 101. First round, first overall pick. He's given you 10 home runs and 19 stolen bases, which is fine. You know, that part of it is fine. But Trey Turner is somebody you draft and somebody who generally has the highest floor slash ceiling for batting average. He is somebody where you can say, okay, 300 batting average at a minimum with the potential for like 330, 340 on a batting title. That's kind of been Trey Turner. He's batting 247. So, you know, the home run and stolen base paces, you're looking at like 20 homers, 35, 40 steals. That would be totally acceptable. But the fact that the batting average has tailed off so much, there's no RBIs there, 32 RBIs for him. It's just been a really, really tough year, especially if you had the 1-0-1 and you picked Trey Turner over Ronald Acuna Jr. You'd be sick about it. I didn't have the first overall pick in any of my drafts, so I didn't have to worry about that. 
But if you did, even if you picked him second or third or fourth or fifth, that's probably about as low as you're going to get him. Maybe sixth if somebody wanted to sneak in, like an Otani into the top five. I, I think that you're still pissed off, regardless of where you picked him now. I think he's going to still end up as a top 60, 70, 80 player, somewhere in that range. But it's impossible to say that Trey Turner has not been disappointing uh, up to this point in the season. Let's go into the outfield. Let's start with his teammate, Kyle Schwarber. Yes, Kyle Schwarber has been disappointing, despite the fact that he has 22 home runs in the first half. He's on pace for more than 100 runs, about 100 RBIs. It's a 184 batting average, and it's the zero stolen bases. Not that we are historically expecting a lot of stolen bases from Kyle Schwarber, but he stole 10 last year. You know, they have the, the, the new rules this year, the bigger bases, the three, fewer pickoffs. He figured that he was going to steal at least the same number he stole last year when there were not really the best stolen base environment in the year in the in the world and he stole 10 this year we got zero to go along with that 184 batting average he has been fully disappointing uh you know the home runs are still there sure by default the rbis are going to come a lot of the time the runs are also pretty good at 52 because he's at the top of the order it's still a decent order it's kind of crazy that he bats first every single day still I know he's a good on base guy but to have somebody who bats under 200 leading off for your team is a little bit absurd I don't like what he's done this year. I think that there's a chance that maybe we see him crack the 200 mark over the second half, but it's looking like what you paid for Kyle Schwarber, which is, depending on format, 50 to 70 overall, I believe, 50 to 80 overall. You're definitely disappointed. Uh, There's no two ways about it. Kyle Schwarber was somebody that you were expecting to be a cornerstone for three-plus categories, and he's been awful, terrible. So he's definitely qualifying as one of the busts here in the outfield. Starling Marte, he's another one that I've chosen here. Again, historically very good batting average with decent pop, good speed. The speed has been there, 23 stolen bases, but five home runs, a 256 batting average, 28 RBIs, and 37 runs scored. He has been awful. He In, in very shallow leagues, in a 10-team league, you could make the argument that Starling Marte is a cut, is somebody that you don't even need to worry about rostering. And I would kind of agree with you. I do see the side of the coin that says... You know, they're probably going to be quite a bit better down the stretch, probably because, you know, they're a talented team. You figure that they're going to figure it out sooner than later. And Marte would probably be a part of that. But at the same time, he's not a top-of-the-order bat anymore, generally. He's kind of fifth, sixth, seventh, especially recently. I don't see him having a great second half, so I, not even just to say he's a bust in the first half, but I think that he's a good chance to bust out in the second half as well. Somebody that's not really a shallow league option. I mean, you can, again, you can make the argument that he can turn it around. He's got good pop. He can potentially be a five-category guy down the stretch. And he could be. I'm just not going to be banking on that for Starling Marte. He's been hugely disappointing. Again, another guy who was drafted, I believe, top 75, 80 kind of range. And he's returned value that's outside of the top 200. So greatly disappointing for him as well. The last one is where I got a little bit of pushback, and that's Cedric Mullins. Now, Cedric Mullins started off the year really hot. He was really, really good for the first, whatever it was, month and a half, two months. He got hurt. Since he's come back, he's been awful. And maybe that's not fair of me to say that he is a bust, but considering where you drafted him, what he's given you, we're now looking at a 248 batting average, eight home runs, 13 stolen bases for a guy who was going very high up in drafts. Cedric Mullins, at times, I believe, I'm going to just double-check here, uh, like NFBC ADP, I believe that he was going like beginning of the third round. Let me take a look at main event drafts and take a look and see uh, where exactly his ADP was. Oh, you know, it was actually a little bit higher than I thought. Uh, it was 55. So you're generally getting him in about the fourth round. Minimum pick was 40. So he was going in the third round sometimes. 
and the maximum was actually 82 in main event draft. So maybe if you got him in pick 82, you're not as disappointed. But going, you know, if you're getting him in pick 40, pick 50 kind of range, what he's given you, especially considering how great Baltimore's offense has been as a whole, has not been good. If, even if you look at the last couple of weeks, the last month since he's come back, no home runs, no steals. He's batting under 200 in that, in that time frame. He's just been disappointing. I know that hasn't been that bad the whole season. He's still probably going to figure it out and give you, you know, 17 home runs and 25 steals, and it'll be okay in the end. But I think it's considering the draft price, he has been a disappointment, and I, I feel very confident putting him on this list. Now, in terms of the SPs, I don't think there's too much to get into here. I would make one change, though, for my initial list. I would swap out Justin Verlander with Alec Manoa. I've had a couple days to sit on it. Actually, it was yesterday afternoon I posted, so like a day and a half to sit on it. But Manoa should be here for Justin Verlander. It was a mistake. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, Corbin Burns, Aaron Nola, Dylan Cease, the other ones, all very self-explanatory. They were all going really high up in drafts. Corbin Burns was generally going as the first pitcher off the board, sometimes the second. And he has been... Not even awful, but awful for the draft price you picked. I mean, Corbin Burns, if you're looking at the season stats, in this pitching environment this year, 394 ERA, 114 whip. It hasn't been that bad. But for what you paid for, for what you were expecting, it's been absolutely horrendous. So I think he's easily a bust. Alcantara and Nola and Cease, no question as well. Now, Verlander has been getting a lot better over the last month or so. He's been quite a bit better. Still generally disappointing if you took him, you know, top 50, 60 pick. He's given you 57 strikeouts in 70 innings, which is not that impressive. A 360 ERA, a 120 whip. He's been disappointing. I mean, it's still been fine, especially like I said with Burns. It's been a horrible year for pitchers. You haven't really known what to expect. At the end of the day, looking at a 360 ERA and a 120 whip is not going to kill you this year. But for what you paid for it, considering the year he had last year, where he had one of the best seasons in recent memory, the Cy Young, the World Series, he had a sub-2 ERA, a sub-1 whip. He was incredible. Hasn't lived up to that this season. He is getting a lot older. I think we're seeing the start of the cliff with Verlander. Now, he has been better recently, uh, but those strikeouts are not really there anymore for Verlander. They weren't so much last year. They were still there to some degree. Uh, but this year, 57 stri- strikeouts and 70 innings. Definitely disappointing. That being said, I would still swap him out for Alec Manoa if I could post this again because that was an oversight of mine. Uh, Manoa should have been on here. He has absolutely been a bust. Even though I think there's you know, promise for the second half, uh, there's no reason for me to have left him off the bust list here. Uh, just an oversight on my behalf. But I also picked one relief pitcher as a bust, and it was kind of tricky to pick a relief pitcher because if you guys heard the show that I did last week or the week before, two weeks ago now, I think with Greg Jewett and Mike Carter, we were talking about the bullpen situations across Major League Baseball. And the relievers that were taken very high up in drafts, the quote-unquote chalky names, have been very, very good. They've been very serviceable for you. If you drafted Hayter, if you drafted, you know, Badnar, Williams, Doval, Romano, Presley, uh, you know, you're doing very well for yourself. The one guy that I picked here as the bust was Ryan Helsley. And he's the only guy that you were drafting in the top 100 or so picks. That has lost his closer job. He lost it before he was injured, I believe. The timeline in St. Louis is kind of all murky to me. But he does not have the closer job. It's Jordan Hicks. He's currently injured right now. When he was out there this season so far, you get 25 innings, 7 saves, 33 strikeouts, a 324 ERA. It was kind of tricky to pick a closer bust because once you get outside of a certain range, you're speculating and the guys aren't really even bust at that point anymore. But Ryan Helsley, uh, I think, is pretty clearly the biggest bust if you were drafting closers fairly early on and you kind of have to take at least one early on. If you took Helsley, like I did in one league, you're probably not doing so great on the save end of things. But... It's kind of nitpicking at that point just because I wanted to pick a relief pitcher 
uh, bust, <coughs> and it would be Ryan Helsley by default there. <coughs> Let's <coughs> – excuse me, guys. I always have something going on in my throat. There's always some kind of sickness going on. But let's move on to the all-breakout team. Let's start with catcher. Jonah Heim is pretty clearly the breakout for me behind the plate this season. He has been the number two catcher in all of fantasy baseball behind just Sean Murphy. And it's not too far off the, the value there. Murphy has been the number one catcher. But Heim is pretty close up behind him. 43 runs scored, 59 ribbies. He's got 12 homers, two steals, and I think the big number is he's batting 282. That's where a lot of the value has really come. That and the RBI. You know, batting in the middle of a really great lineup like Texas has, you're going to drive in a lot of runs, especially with that kind of batting average. Jonah Heim has been just fantastic. I wish I had a couple of shares. I have literally zero shares of him. Next year, I probably will. Uh, but you never know with with catchers if it's going to be a full, true breakout, if it's going to just be kind of a good year. Uh, it, it's very tricky to tell. He's 28 years old. Is he just breaking out right now for good, or is it just one season? It's hard to tell. Uh, but for the first half, it's definitely been Jonah Heim for me. At first base, he has moved around a little bit. He plays a little bit first, some third in the outfield as well. Uh, but Spencer Steer was the guy I went with for first base breakouts. He has been one of a number of incredible Cincinnati Reds so far this year. 14 homers, 9 steals. He's got nearly 100 runs in RBIs combined. He's looking at 96 right there and a 277 batting average. You know, the last month, you say, oh, he's batting 250 over the last month. He's got 6 homers and 4 steals in that time to go along with 19 RBI. He has done wonders for that Cincinnati team. The eligibility is really helpful as well. And overall, he's been a stud. He's been an absolute fantasy stud. He's 89% rostered on Yahoo. He should be, I think, 99 if you're in one of those shallow leagues, eight-team league or whatever. I think he still has value there regardless of the league size. He has just been so good. Five-category contributor in a really good offense and in a great ballpark. Spencer Steer has been a lot of fun, and he is my first base breakout. Now, second base, I went with Bryson Stott. You can also make an argument for Matt McClain there. I'm not going to argue too much one way or the other, but Bryson Stott, you're looking at a guy hitting over 300, who's played, you know, McClain's come up about half, played about half the amount of time that Stott's played. And Stott's given you a 301 average, 16 steals, seven homers. He's got 39 runs and 33 RBIs. He's been so fun, Bryson Stott. He's been such a fun player to roster, especially when he leads off. It hasn't been so much recently. Um, but he was leading off for quite a while, and that in those situations he was super, super must roster. Even right now, as a, like a six hole guy, I think that he is still a must roster player. What he's given you is a lot of fun. You know, like like I said, he's on pace for about 15 home runs and 30 steals with a 300 average. Will he maintain 300? Well, he's maintained it for half the season. Not to say that he will for sure, but I think even a 280, 290 kind of adding average for Bryson Stott is realistic down the stretch. He has been, I think, the second base breakout. Now, like I said, if you want to argue Matt McClain. He's got you know maybe two-thirds of the at-bats that we've seen out of Bryson Stott, and he's been amazing himself. Seven home runs, seven steals. He's batting 300. If you want to go with McLean, I'm not going to fight you on it. They've both been absolutely wonderful. They're both breakouts to me. Josh Young is who I've chosen for third base. This one was pretty obvious. I did have somebody coming, uh, a couple people actually in the comments, are saying, how can you pick like a rookie as a breakout a lot of times, rookies don't hit. It's still a breakout, and once you get to the outfield, you're going to see I have Corbin Carroll on this list as well. It happens. You know, rookies generally don't play, don't pan out the way that Josh Young and Corbin Carroll do in their first season. You do you do occasionally see it. You see it with the odd player. You know, we saw it with last year with Julio and Bobby Witt, and you know, Rutschman was very good as well. It does happen, but generally, you can't look at these rookies, even if they're the number one prospect in all of baseball. 
and expect them to hit. You're really hoping that they hit, but you need to have that validation at the major league level before you can say this is a dude. You know, Corbin Carroll was a dude in the minor leagues. Absolutely. You could tell he was going to be great. We said the same things about Jared Kalanick a couple of years ago. So you never really know exactly how it's going to turn out. That's why I put rookies on this list because they still deserve their kudos for breaking out in the sense that they have. Josh Young's batting 280 with 19 home runs, 62 runs scored, 56 ribbies, and he has a stolen base. I believe he is starting in the All-Star game. I don't pay too much attention to the game itself. I love the Derby. The game, I, I don't really get too much out of it. I believe he is starting at third base, though. There are five Texas Rangers starting. I think it's Heim, Semyon, um, Lowe, Garcia, and Young. I think that's how it is. Might be wrong about Lowe. Uh, there's so many great, talented Rangers. You could really pick any five random members of the lineup, and they'd be worthy All-Stars. And Josh Young, I think, is totally deserving of that honor. He's been a top, borderline top 20 player. Yahoo ranks him as the 21st player overall this season. Another kind of head-scratching number here, he's only 88% rostered on Yahoo. Again, once you get to that point, you're kind of nitpicking. If it's you know 88 or 92 or 90, he's probably not available in your league. But in those shallow leagues, you're talking 1 in 10 leagues or more where Josh Young is still sitting on the waiver wire. So take a look, especially this applies to you if you play in 15 leagues or something on Yahoo. Put his name in the search bar. Take a look and see if he's available anywhere. If you play in shallow enough leagues, he might be, and he's somebody who definitely shouldn't be. Like I said, borderline top 20 player this year in the best offense in baseball. He's been a wonderful breakout to watch. Now, let's move to the outfield. Like I said, Corbin Carroll, yes, he has been a breakout. Absolutely. We thought he was going to do it. We weren't 100% sure if he was going to do it to this extent. He certainly didn't look this good in his cup of coffee last year, his 104 at-bats. This season, he has been absolutely outrageously good. 18 homers, 26 steals, and a 289 batting average. Not too much to say, really, there. Corbin Carroll easily, easily has broken out this season, and he's a candidate right now, I think, for the number one overall pick next year. Probably be Acuna, but there will be some people who take Corbin Carroll first overall, I think. The next one, and this one I know for a fact, unless they've made it a replacement today, did not make the All-Star game for whatever reason, is Lane Thomas. Lane Thomas has been an easy breakout this year. 14 homers, 8 stolen bases. He's batting 302. He's got 109 runs and RBIs put together, 60 runs scored, and 49 RBIs. In that lineup, that is no small feat for the Nationals. They are 26th in runs. They are 18th in on-base, 21st in slugging, 28th in home runs. You know, they're a good team in terms of batting average. They're fifth in batting average, third in hits per game, but they don't drive those runners in very regularly. They are just not that great at it. 26th in runs when they're third in hits is pretty damn crazy. Lane Thomas is still able to score. He's still able to drive in runs. He's been a five-category absolute beast, 17th overall player on the season, 17th overall player for the last month as well. He's been consistent. He's been excellent for a shitful, shitful team and offense. So congrats to Lane Thomas again. Kind of head-scratching, only 87% rostered on Yahoo. I don't get it. Go and see if you're in a shallow league, if he's still sitting there. Likely he's not, but go take a look. The last outfielder that I chose, and I got a bit of pushback on this one as well, was Josh Lowe. How can he be a breakout? He's been bad the last month. Blah, blah. These guys are not, especially at such a young age, Josh Lowe, I believe, is 23, 20. Actually, he's 25. He's a bit older than I thought, granted. But regardless... They're not going to be, in all cases, studs every single week of the fantasy season. There are going to be ups and downs. There might be a month that's a down. Last month was kind of a down for him, and yet still a 276 average, 19 steals, 12 homers, 
48 ribbies, and a top 75 fantasy player this year. That's a breakout. Just because he's not giving you that top five, top seven production like he was giving you for the first couple weeks of the season, which was very clearly unsustainable. If you thought he was going to do that just forever, then you kind of should have expected some heartbreak. But he's been giving you great production nonetheless over the course of a whole season. Yes, in head-to-head, it's not as good as it is in a roto sense because you're not banking those category stats the whole year. But regardless, Josh Lowe has been an incredible asset who came pretty much out of nowhere. I know he was pretty highly touted last year. This year, I don't know, the post-hype player, like he is that definition of the post-hype guy. No one really cared this year. Some people did later down fantasy drafts, but for the most part, he was an afterthought. And he has absolutely broken out in every way. I know it's been kind of tough recently, but hang tight with Josh Lowe. I think it'll be a lot better down the stretch. He is an excellent talent. But let's move on. Let's talk about some breakout pitchers. Tyler Wells, Zach Eflin, Bryce Elder, Mitch Keller, and Dane Dunning. Those are who I have chosen. Tyler Wells is leading Major League Baseball in whip. He has been a top 20 pitcher so far this season. Top 20 player overall so far this season. 318 ERA, a .93 whip, seven victories. He's striking out about a batter per inning, 103 Ks in 104 innings. He's doing exactly what you were hoping for. Uh, absolutely, actually, he's doing a lot more than you were hoping for. You know, you kind of were thinking you're going to get a good whip. Maybe you'd get some wins because the team is pretty good. But at this point of the year, he's pitched one more inning than he had last year in its entirety. 103, uh, 103 innings last year, 104 innings this year. He has nearly 30 more strikeouts. His ERA is more than a run lower. He's been an absolute breakout, no question about it. Zach Eflin. Has always been kind of an okay pitcher, but we've seen a new level to him in Tampa Bay so far this season. He is the 16th-ranked overall player, according to Yahoo. 10 victories, 105 strikeouts, and 102 innings. He has a sub-one whip himself at .99, and he has a .325 ERA. Huge fan of Zach Eflin. He is somebody that I wanted to get some shares of, and I just didn't end up doing it in the preseason. Everybody was saying it, and everybody was right, because he's been... An absolute stud in a year where pitching has been kind of hard to come by. So Zach Eflin definitely on that list for me as well. Bryce Elder sold his soul to the devil, it appears, this season. Now, he did have a bad outing against Tampa Bay uh, the other day, actually yesterday. But still, you're looking at a 297 ERA, uh, 1.20 whip heading into the All-Star break. He's just outside the top 100 because that start yesterday did kind of bump him out. Uh, There was a couple of kind of rougher ones recently, Washington and the Mets. But overall, Bryce Elder was somebody that was picked up off the waiver wire in 95% of leagues or higher. He was drafted maybe in those deeper leagues. But for the most uh, for the most part, he was a waiver wire pickup that has been absolutely wonderful for you. He's given you a sub-3 ERA. He's given you wins on a good team. And I think because of the high ground ball rate, he's going to outperform those expected metrics. He's going to continue to do that. It might not be you know, like we saw 2-4 ERA the whole season. But can he give you something in the 3-5 kind of range going forward? I think he can. Uh, I think that this is definitely a breakout for Bryce Elder, despite the fact that he's not the sexiest guy, doesn't give you a ton of strikeouts, uh, but he has been really, really fantastic this season. Mitch Keller, he's the next guy up in terms of pitching breakouts. 117 innings, 9 victories, 129 strikeouts, a 331 ERA, and a 1.12 whip. The last few seasons, we've kind of bullshitted ourselves into thinking that Mitch Keller was going to be a stud. This year, we kind of did it again, and he actually came through. Uh, you know, we never really were expecting Mitch Keller to actually, you know, convert those strikeouts to get those walks down. He's done it. Uh, he has done it so far this season. He's got wins, too, which is not something you can probably expect too many of going forward. He has nine in the first half of the Pirates. That will probably tail off. But what he's done so far this year has been top 45 value. He's ranked 43rd overall, according to Yahoo's algorithm. And I think, you know, even though you're not going to see probably that same level going forward, it's definitely a breakout year for Mitch Keller. He's been incredible. 
Dane Dunning as well has been really somebody that I wasn't expecting at all, but top 100 player, eight wins, 59 strikeouts in 92 innings, which is unimpressive, but a 284 ERA, a 113 whip. Dane Dunning has been somebody that is a must-roster player across all formats. The team that he plays for doesn't hurt. Those eight victories definitely help his value, but a 284 ERA, 113 whip, he's doing what Bryce Elder's doing, essentially. He's giving you production on a good team without having to rely on those strikeouts. He is somebody that should be on more rosters than he is 77% on Yahoo. Going at Dane Dunning, he could be in for a big second half as well. He's looked good recently. He's looked good over the whole season. Uh, you got to shout out those people. There was a few of them early in the year who were hyping up Dane Dunning. I can't remember them by name. But shout out to you if you're listening because he has been just fantastic. Everything that you could have hoped for and then some. And now let's talk about the relief pitcher breakout. It'd be Carlos Estevez for me. Uh, you know, some people are arguing for Alexis Diaz. He kind of broke out last year. He had a sub-2 ERA. He was excellent last season, striking out everybody. I think it's Carlos Estevez in terms of closers because we weren't really expecting it too much at all. Uh, some people were. Some people saw it coming. But for the most part, he was kind of an afterthought going at the end of drafts. He's giving you 21 first-half saves, a 180 ERA. The 129 whip is a bit high, but with 21 saves, 43 strikeouts, and 35 innings, it's top 90 player, and you weren't really even drafting him much in Yahoo leagues, maybe right at the end. Likely you picked him up off the wire, and he's been just fantastic. So he's the guy I go with. Alexis Diaz, I argue, kind of had the breakout last season, and I didn't want to include him here uh, for that reason. But I do want to talk about a couple of the responses that you guys sent in as well because I opened the floor to you guys as I generally do here and there on Twitter, uh, just to ask who was your biggest breakouts and or busts. Uh, so one guy responded, breakout, Alexis Diaz or Joe Ryan. Yes, absolutely. Bust, Dustin May. It's hard to go bust when it's really, truly <clears throat> injury-related. Dustin May, when he was pitching this year, was very good. 263 ERA, 0.94 whip. It's more so the injury. Um, let's move on, though. Corbin Carroll or Ellie, another guy says it's a breakout. Bust is Verlander. Yeah, I, like I said, I understand it. Verlander's getting better. He's still a bust at ADP, but breakout, Corbin Carroll and Ellie, absolutely. Ellie is <clears throat> moving his way into first-round territory for drafts next season. I'm kind of tr- just slowly trying to work on how I think that'll go. I think there's a chance he goes as high as fifth overall in some drafts. So definitely a breakout if you were able to snag him off the waiver wire. Let's move on, though. Uh, let's move on to Anthony, who's a Sports Ethos contributor here, Anthony Cates. Uh, how about a pair of SP breakouts? I mentioned them both, Zach Eflin and Tyler Wells. Both have been in the top 10 to 15 SP on the season, play for competitive teams, nearing nine strikeouts per nine or just over, whip under one, and showing the skills not to completely fall off. Absolutely. I think that they're both pretty sustainable guys. Uh, really, I was going to say especially Eflin, but especially both of them. I think that they can both kind of continue what they've done in the first half. They're not like massively outperforming their metrics. Wells is to some degree, but it's not to the point where I'd say sell, sell, sell. I think what they're doing is pretty sustainable down the stretch. <clears throat> he says for busts, Anthony, uh, Trey Turner, and Corbin Burns, yes, absolutely they are to be considered busts so far. Uh, Brandon Marcus, who is a sports ethos contributor here as well, he hosts our uh, LA Clippers podcast. For the guys that were drafted, bust would be Teoscar Hernandez, given where he was selected, and breakout would be Nico Horner. You see, Teoscar was more of a bust, I think, and then over the last month or so, he's kind of figured himself out. He's bordering in on top 100 value. 15 homers, 50, uh, excuse me, 15 homers, five steals, a 250 batting average, 50 RBIs. He's going to have more RBIs and probably runs than he did last year. He missed some time with injury. More steals he'll have, more home runs. The batting average will be a bit lower. I, I don't know if I'd classify him as a bust. I think he's on the cusp. He started off really slow, but he's gotten a lot better recently. I think overall, if you look at the product, it'd be hard for me to personally say that he is a bust. Now, Horner... 
I think Horner is to some degree a breakout, but he's not doing anything that's so unexpected from last year. He's stealing more bases, which is, you know, like we mentioned earlier, uh, it's to be expected. You know, when we mentioned it with the Kyle Schwarber thing, uh, you're kind of expecting more stolen bases this season. He's already matched his total from the whole season last year when he had 20. He's already got 20 again. Uh, he's got five home runs this year. He was had 10 last year. He's going to have more RBIs. He's going to have more runs, most more likely. But he's also going to have more at-bats. Uh, the batting average is going to come down a little bit. It's at 271. It was 281 last year. I would argue that Harner is doing pretty much exactly what we were expecting. And I don't know if it's necessarily a breakout. Has he gotten better? He's got more power than he used to have. He's stealing more bases, but that's probably more due to the rules than anything else. <clears throat> I would disagree with you here, Brandon, a little bit. Not to say that he hasn't been great, but I would just argue that the breakout kind of happened already uh, last season. He also added... Um, for guys added breakouts would be Ellie, Michael Waka, James Paxson, Brian Bayo, and Braxton Garrett. All great choices. All of those guys have broken out on the mound. Um, let's move on, though. Bust Tim Anderson. Yes, bust Tim Anderson. Absolutely. I'm holding him in one league still, and it's a 15-team league where it's, it's an NFBC league where you don't really have that many options on the waiver wire in terms of shortstop, in terms of middle infield, utility options, whatever. And I know the second I drop him, he's going to just come back and be – incredibly valuable. So I haven't actually done it yet. I understand it, though. Tim Anderson has been awful. Uh, breakouts for Ishmael here. He's saying Arcia and Luke Rayleigh. Yeah, I, I'm seeing that for sure as well. Luke Rayleigh, is, I've been a huge fan of. I've added him in a few different leagues. Lando Arcia, who would have expected this? He's batting nearly 300, seven homers. He's been pretty valuable. I think he's more deep league guy. He's not really a shallow league option for me, but I still really like what Arcia has done so far this season. Um, breakout slash best value, Tyro Estrada. Yeah, Tyro has kind of already been broken out. Uh, I mean, you could kind of argue it, although it, I don't know. I think I would say that he's probably in the group of having already broken out. Now he's injured, so we're not going to be able to see what his full season stat line would have looked like. Would it have been a bit better than last year? I think so. And you can make that argument. I'm not going to give you too much pushback. I would just say that Tyro was already fairly established from his year last year. Uh, bust Luis Severino. Yes, Luis Severino sucks. Uh, absolutely drop Luis Severino if you're still holding him. I don't think there's any hope really here. Every time out, it's awful. And then, of course, he had that one good start against Texas where he went six shutout innings. He shows flashes here and there, but for the season, you're looking at a 738 ERA, a 1.8 whip. Dreadful. Just absolutely dreadful. Drop Severino. I agree. He's been a huge bust. Um, even as a Yankee fan, Yoshida has helped me a lot. Masataka Yoshida has been awesome. One of my predictions before the season was he was going to be a top 50 player. He's ranked 70 right now. He's not too far off. 10 homers, 6 steals, and a 316 batting average. He's batting 333 over the last month. I love Yoshida. I got a rookie of the year bet on him from before the season. Only a modest 10 bucks, but I think it was plus 12 or 1300. I'm hoping that one comes through, and I think there's a decent chance that it will. Uh, going through the rest of these responses, a lot of the same answers we've already seen. Somebody saying Vlad as a bust. You can make the argument that Vlad has been a bust based on his ADP. I think he's coming around, and I think overall it's hard to consider a guy who's a top 80 player a bust. But, I mean, he's 83rd, according to Yahoo. 13 homers, 4 steals, a 274 average. 58 ribs, 42 RBI, or 58 ribs, 42 runs. He's been disappointing, but he hasn't been a huge bust. <clears throat> I <coughs> Excuse me, guys. I'm sorry about that. I would make that distinction between disappointing and a bust. I think Vladdy is more in the disappointing category. Uh, you know, you were hoping for a top 10, 20 player when you drafted him. I think he still ends up as a top 50 or 60 player. So, yes, disappointing. Bust, I wouldn't go quite that far. A couple of other uh, mentions we got here. Luke, or excuse me, not Luke. 
Jake Fraley, uh, Christian Yelich, a couple of great options there. Brian Wu as well. Brian Wu has been a lot of fun to watch. Uh, big fan of what he does for the Mariners. I think that he's going to be a stud. I think Brian Wu is going to be a stud. I have him in a few leagues, deeper leagues mostly, but I think that he is viable everywhere uh, while he is still pitching. I'm not sure how much they're going to limit him, but another great answer. I uh, really appreciate all the responses here talking about breakouts and busts. We'll do this again at the end of the season. <clears throat> we'll reevaluate my picks from the middle of the year and see, hey, you said he was a bust in July. He turned out to be the 73rd player over. Okay, well, there will be those instances. We will talk about them if there is a player who greatly moves up. It will be interesting to see if any of our breakouts turn out into more along the bust side down the second half of the season. And, of course, like I said, vice versa. Those guys that were just awful who do turn it on and find us another gear in the second half. But that'll do it for me today, guys. I appreciate all you guys hanging out, listening to me talk, going on and on and on about these players as we do every day. I really appreciate all that support. We're going to be going here through the All-Star break. We're not going to miss any days. Tomorrow we'll get back to our mailbag shows. I'm not sure what the interaction is going to be like because of the All-Star break. I know people are unplugging. We're going to keep chugging along here. So if you're on Twitter, you can go follow me at JoeOrico99. You'll see the tweet tomorrow morning. Probably 10, 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time. And it'll just be our mailbag, usual free-for-all, where I'll answer most of the questions over on Twitter. And then I'll come and elaborate a little bit farther here on the podcast as well. But until tomorrow, guys, hope you have a great night. Again, JoeRico99, Ethos Fantasy BB. Those are the Twitter accounts. Go check out sportsethos.com. But until tomorrow, take care. Have a great night. And cheers. <laughs>